0: Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is Tulsa-based singer-songwriter John Moreland. Earlier this year, John Moreland released his latest album, LP5. When we spoke, his album had just released, and he was preparing to go on his spring tour. But with the way things have changed, I hope this can act as kind of a fill-in till we all get to see live music again. In this episode, John Morwin talks about growing up in the Christian punk scene in Tulsa and the songwriting and recording process that went into LP5.
1: I was frozen and fumbled For the true thing to say I swear out of have had the words If I'd have seen you from ten years away I got all these wheels turning I got love left to learn I got candles that
0: burn at both ends Now and then I shall return First off, uh, why the
2: name LP5? Um, I just liked the idea of of kind of having a really ambiguous title, I think. Just, um, it kind of felt nice to just, um... I don't know, have more of a utilitarian title and then let the music kind of do the speaking rather than uh, try to come up with some some kind of bullshit, like poetic title. Just, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, I just thought um, having a having a simple, short, memorable title would be a better way to go.
0: I've heard you talk about your musical background, kind of starting with the I guess the Christian punk scene that was happening around Tulsa?
2: Well, I mean, it was kind of just like teenagers playing in punk bands, you know, just trying to play shows wherever we could. There are things about it that are easy to make fun of now, and but, like, I think that, you know, ultimately I'm really grateful for it. It was a really, I mean, it was just a, it was, a, an, a, it was an accessible place for me to get experience playing music and, um, And to kind of learn the punk ethics of like how to be in a band, how to do stuff, how to make records, how to book shows and, you know, um, just kind of a typical little local punk scene, I think, except, you know, because it's like the Bible Belt. We were all church kids.
0: What were some of the bands or like songs that you remember listening to from that scene?
2: um well the biggest one that is probably like every every kid that grows up in into that scene uh the biggest band is mxpx
1: we ain't got no place to go let's go to the punk rock show Darling, take me by the hand Gonna see a punk rock band.
2: so they were kind of they were kind of like the gateway punk band for a lot of kids I think you know they they were like it, it, church kids in particular because like um, they were safe enough for parents, but they were still like a real punk band that got, you know, that was like respected in the punk scene. And so when I got into punk I was very much um kind of your typical church kid. And um so yeah, I think I kinda needed like the parent approved like PG version first to kind of whet my appetite. Oh.
0: the harder, noisier stuff, like, do you miss any of that?
2: No, not really. I guess every once in a while I do, like, for a moment, um, because there is something that's, like, a visceral thing, like, playing that kind of music that, you know, that's an experience that I don't ever have anymore. Kind of getting your anger out or whatever, like, that's not, you know... Um, I don't get to do that a lot anymore, but I, f- I also find I don't need to do it as much as I did when I was an angry teenager, you know, so. I wanna
1: get into the crowd and I wanna hear it played
2: real
0: loud.
2: For the most part, I find the music I was playing back then pretty um. Does it doesn't really satisfy me anymore. So there are moments where I think like, oh, it'd be fun to like start a hardcore band, but then, like twenty minutes later, I'm kind of like, nah, I don't really need to do that. Never mind.
0: What was it like going into the studio for this album, which seems to be like the most satisfying musical project that you've done so far?
2: Yeah, yeah, it definitely was the most satisfying, and um, I mean, this the whole studio experience was just fun and positive. Uh, I wanted to keep it um, like a small group on the record. So it's just me and Matt Pence and John Calvin and Bonnie Whitmore. I just love all all of them so much and respect their playing and their talent. Yeah, it was really a breeze. We just kind of went in and just did it and just had fun.
0: I heard from uh, John that this was kind of like you recorded this kind of In between a lot of hectic stuff going on
2: we recorded it in two chunks last year we did a week in january and i think during that time things were pretty chill and we just went down to the studio and recorded but um the second session was in may and john calvin was touring with lee baines in europe and we, this studio session kind of came up, not super last minute, but a little bit last minute because we didn't, we were trying to figure out what dates to make it work with everybody's schedules, and then it turns out that he had like accepted this European tour with them before we <laughs> knew about it. So, um, so he ended up having to fly from England to like Nashville. And then drove straight from Nashville to Denton, Texas, where the studio is, and and then recorded for five days straight on like no sleep and hella jet lag. So um for the rest of us it wasn't quite that intense, but he yeah, he that's kinda what he does though. He like he's all he seems like he's always like hauling ass across the country to make it somewhere.
0: One other thing that I heard from him, the percussion is something that it seems like you've always paid really close attention to.
2: I mean, so Matt Pence, the guy that produced the record, he he played drums on it and he just gets like the best drum sounds ever. So that was that was a big reason why I wanted to record with him. But we also used a couple drum machines and I'd wanted to blend like drum machines and samplers and stuff with with live drumming. I think that drums are the thing, maybe the element in music that can be the most interesting but also are the most overlooked a lot of the times, especially in like singer-songwriter stuff, so. kind of comes from like writing at home it's I guess there's only so much you can do just by yourself with an acoustic guitar until you kind of start feeling like unfulfilled or like this isn't every song feels like you've already written that song ten times you know so yeah kind of just messing around with different instruments to um, to like spark that songwriting process. That was a big part of this album. And some of those instruments were drum machines. Yeah. Save it for the seed In the shadow of your mind.
1: Save it for the seed, In the shadow of your mind life is but a moment hope you
0: had a
2: time matt is just like super talented and then i didn't i didn't know how talented of a producer he is cuz when we went down there i wasn't really thinking about who the producer was you know it was kind of i just wanted to record at a studio where i knew we would get really great sounds and so i knew matt would be you know the right choice for that an idea that was really simple and then Matt would just kind of help me expand on it it's not like you know it wasn't necessarily like well let's add this on top of it or whatever it was kind of just taking what we were already doing and going like oh okay instead of playing that that melody exactly the same eight times in a row maybe like make it kind of randomized or like you know, just stuff like that, making things a little less basic. I mean he did it so much on every song that i don't i'm not sure that i can really give you one example but it's kind of all over the album
0: what's the kind of drum machine or you know other instruments that you've brought on
2: well we use this old drum machine called an ace tone rhythm ace that's uh ace tone was roland the before they were roland um so it's i think it's from the 60s probably and it's just like it's a really old kind of primitive drum machine that just sounds really cool and distinct and then um we used a Korg Volca which is like a really small it's almost like a toy um and then at home I've got like some other samplers I've got an SP404 that I use a lot that didn't make it onto the album but I use it a lot when I'm doing demos and stuff at home. There's also just a lot of the live drumming that Matt did when when it was mixed, you know, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff to it, so.
0: Is it kind of a carryover too from like the years of hip hop beat making that you were doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's like the reason that I know how to do that stuff, I guess. And the reason I have an SP-404 and an MPC 1000 is because I make beats. Um, I always wanted to kind of find a way to use those tools and and bring that influence to my songwriting. But um, yeah, I guess it just took a while. I feel like I feel like just in the last year or so, I'm kind of like figuring out ways to do that. So it's been fun. <laughs>
0: Did you want to have any kind of weird samples on this album? Like, I know hip-hop has, like, they'll just take kind of whatever, even if it's just, like, a line from a movie.
2: Yeah, well, I didn't, we didn't use any samples that we would have to get clearance for or anything. Actually, I mean, yeah, the only samples we used are, like, drum samples. I do kind of have a goal of, like, I want to use an uncleared sample and just, like, hide it so well that nobody knows, but I haven't done it yet, so... Maybe maybe the next record.
0: <laughs> was there anybody that you felt like was doing something kind of similar that like gave you, I guess, sort of a general idea of what you wanted to do?
2: I mean, for LP five, I think that there was a band. Uh, well, they're still they're they're back together now, but uh, I think the band Esturdrang. I just I grew up going to their shows and really loving their records and uh they actually they all they recorded at this same studio that we did so um so yeah i think that was a big one and i don't know i mean honestly i hope this like it's not like i it's not that i'm under the impression that i just like sat down and came up with a with a new genre of music that doesn't sound like anything else
1: Somewhere.
2: But at the same time, it's like when you've been doing this long enough, it's not like I'm thinking like, okay, well, here's a band I like, so I'm going to try to write something that sounds like them. It's more just, you're kind of drawing from what you've done in the past and then just like adding stuff to it or tweaking it or, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I
0: feel about it. I guess I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the individual songs on the album Uh. So I've read that you didn't really think about the meaning of the lyrics behind like harder dreams.
2: Yeah, that's how I prefer to write all my songs. I don't I, I think the ones my favorite ones are always the ones that I don't know what they mean. Because I think when I try to when I try to write down with like a preconceived idea of what I wanna say or what I wanna write about, it just hardly ever ends up being good. It always kinda of feels like preachy, I guess. And so I'm I'm kinda of more comfortable coming from the point of view of of like I don't know anything, I don't have any answers, and I'm just asking questions.
1: All the gods are watching Wars on television Placing their bets and telling jokes about religion crowded in for the sins we studied on silver screens couldn't wait till we graduated to harder dreams and I hear your summer
0: Did it take three years to write "When My Fever Breaks"?
2: Um, cause I just hadn't lived enough yet when I started writing it. Like, um, I wanted to write a meaningful song for my wife, but we had just started dating, f- like, you know, for a couple weeks at that point, I guess. Star crossed as
1: and cross that star. No use hiding age-old scars Well, you're not here and I can't be still I don't think I'll sleep until I see you The strongest will, the softest touch I
2: never knew I'd have so much It was kind of like... I knew I loved her and I knew I had never felt like that before and I knew I wanted to like say something about it and I just, you know, I attempted to do that. Hold my hand and ease my aches
1: Wake me up when my fever breaks. I'm laying down my soul, the answer's
2: Just sort of hit a wall where it was like I don't know where to go next and you know after um after a few years of being married and living life together um, the rest of the song just kind of was ready to come out of me I guess well, these days we got hell to pay
1: we got rigid roles to play driving around infinity
2: quick like love at first sight kind of thing like immediately was like oh this is this person is legit (laughs) you know like this is somebody i want to spend time with and i'm not going to get tired of and i just want to like be with every day
0: i guess moving on to a song that It seems to me is about like your other quote-unquote partner Uh, I think two stars is just a great example of the musical relationship you have with John Calvin Abney do you mind describing like how you ended up with some of the harmonies and melodies on a track like that
2: yeah I just I had my guitar part that was um, was just like a little thing I had written at home was like you know am I gonna make a song out of this Uh, like should I try to write lyrics to it or should it just be an instrumental or what is it I didn't plan to include it on the album um but when we we were at the studio and I I played it and uh Calvin just started playing along to it he he I think he pretty much wrote his part on the spot and then we recorded it Just turned out like a really sweet little instrumental that I think um, fits nicely on the record.
0: Do you guys have many like um I guess music-heavy discussions about how you guys's parts are gonna you know link up together or inter- intersect?
2: Um, we don't really talk much about that kind of stuff at all. We just kind of intuitively do whatever feels right. But then later on, like on when we're touring and kind of like you know, figuring out how the songs work in that environment, you know, as you play more and more shows, occasionally we'll discuss like, oh, on this song, this is, you know, like you're doing this and then I'm good. So my, you know, I'm thinking I'll just do this thing and it'll fit together like this or whatever. But those are like old songs usually that we're talking about, you know. So um, in the studio, yeah, we usually usually just kind of just do it he has you know he has good taste and he knows like he knows what to play it's not like we're it's not like we don't know what we're doing yet at the first 10 shows but it just kind of gets more refined as the more we do it you know
0: where were you when you wrote some of these songs is it mainly just from your home in Tulsa
2: yeah mostly um there are a couple that stick out um that were written elsewhere I think uh in times between and East October were written and uh on tour in France. Yeah, I think everything else was just written in my little home studio writing room.
0: Weren't those two songs uh written as kind of a tribute or in reference to Chris Porter?
2: Yeah, um yeah, I mean they they were the first two songs I wrote after he died and um you know I mean I hope it's a tribute yeah like in times between I guess could be called a tribute
1: I know you ain't afraid I know it ain't no use
2: but you know it's just kinda trying to like make sense of my feelings at the time
1: Buzzing in the strings, you're sailing towards the skies. You're swimming in the seas that are streaming from my. Hey, yeah. Satellite and watch the cold world spin Well damn it all to hell But don't it mean a thing The love we knew so well Was barely hanging on a string
2: East October, I, I don't know if it's about him or what But East October... Uh, The phrase East October is a reference to one of his songs. Uh, He had a song called East December.
0: Could you just uh, tell people briefly who he was and what he meant to you?
2: Yeah, he was a songwriter from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He was just kind of an epic person. And, um, uh, he died in a, in a van wreck on tour in 2016. Um, I had toured a lot with him and John Calvin also had toured a lot with him. So he definitely was one of my close friends. And when, from when I, when I first started touring and meeting other artists, you know, and, and other like DIY touring musicians, he, he was definitely one of the, uh, Closest connections that I made from that time.
1: Looking backwards, all my pictures look like sandals of stolen scriptures. We were children dressed up like men. your chapel and then you burned it Was it Satan or the second coming soul you're bearing the song you're strumming How am I ever gonna get by How am I ever gonna get by by myself how am I ever gonna get by? How am I ever gonna get by all by myself?
0: Remember, like watching that uh, baseball game while you were writing uh, for Ichiro.
2: Yeah, um, I happened to uh, wake up at like five in the morning one day, and the Mariners and the A's were playing a game in Tokyo, and it was the preseason. But it was like the first, like this game actually counted. I guess the first, their first game of the year was in Tokyo. And since I guess since he was in Tokyo and you know Ichiro had been thinking about retirement and decided he wanted to he wanted that to be his last game so nobody knew before the game and then I woke up and just turned it on and then like when he uh, when he came off the field for the last time just the reaction from all the Japanese fans and from his teammates was just kind of beautiful. I'm not, I'm like halfway a baseball fan. I'm not like, it's like the sport that I just put on in the background for ambience in the summertime, you know, but like, and then John Calvin came over later that day and I, I was like, oh dude, Ichiro played his last game this morning, like check this out. And I showed him the clip on YouTube and then, you know, it wasn't like, let's write a song for Ichiro, but we just had this song idea later on that day and, and, um, you know, when we were trying to decide what to call it, we decided to name it for him.
0: As I look back to my career, if there's anything that gives me pride, it is that I overcame the daily challenges and had an equal passion for each day. From the first one in 2001 to the last one in 2019. These last days are just as important as first ones and all those in between every day you need to go about your business with the same passion that is the greatest gift you can give to your performance and to the fans who come to enjoy this special game now let's play baseball on kind of your previous projects like how people perceived you was, like, kind of a big thing for you. Is is how other people perceive you something you're still grappling with?
2: I guess in the past, it was, like, the perception seemed like, this dude is so sad, he writes these sad songs, he must be so sad. And, like, I just felt like that was kind of ridiculous. (laughs) Like, I'm just like anybody else, you know? And I have emotions sometimes and I put them in songs, you know. But um it's hard to talk about being barely famous, you know, because like it's just it's kind of a mind fuck, I guess. Like, um I don't know if this any of this is gonna make sense, but it's like all I've ever wanted to do is just like make music and do my thing and whoever's into it is into it and that's cool. But when you get a little bit of success you start hearing like people tell you like that oh you're gonna be the next so-and-so you're gonna or what 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 happened for this artist who really like blew up and became really successful now that's gonna happen for you like you're next when mama's little model woke up with her face drawn on
1: What you gonna do, 22, with your youth all gone? And all your awful glory don't feel like it should. Before you hang me for my story, Lord, let me be understood. Oh, cause it ain't about it, it's about when they put a weapon in my hand, now here I am, a heretic, again. But I feel sure footed hope I'm going somewhere good. No time to sit and wonder, Lord, let me be understood.
2: And it's just like, I, I don't actually care about that, but for a while, I guess it it had me convinced that I did, you know? Like, it's like you hear it enough and you feel like, okay, well, that's cool. That's what's gonna happen. And then when it's not happening, it's like, oh, I'm a failure and I'm letting everybody down. I used to walk around with Shackles
1: on my hands Back when I still needed you To tell me who I am We were standing at the dawn Unaware of the flood The rain pours on and on Lord let us be understood Well ain't you had enough Living in this picture show. Move a little closer, but all don't let your demons show. But I wouldn't go back, even if I could. Howling at the drunken thunder, Lord let me be understood.
2: Yeah, so like all of that bullshit just kinda made me not wanna do music that much anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, I have this way to make a living that I'm so grateful for, but then it was just turning into this thing with that, ha- that just came with all this pressure and anxiety and stress. Well,
1: friend, I've been wrestling I've been unwell But I have a heartbeat And a trial to tell You can sentence me to burn If you feel that you should But let the clock hands turn and turn Let us be understood Call it revelation, call it in the air. Boy, you can't reach salvation from your rocking chair. You're gonna shed a tear, gonna have to give blood. No time to sit and wonder, Lord, let me be understood. Monumental yonder, letting me be
2: understood. And then I just kind of stopped writing songs, which makes sense because why would I want to like feed into that, you know? Like, why would I want to like spend time with this career that I wasn't enjoying or work on this career that I wasn't enjoying? So. Yeah, f- kind of like realizing that oh, I don't actually care about that stuff. What I care about is making music. So this this album was really just what came out of the process of like learning how to just or or like kind of relearning how to just like make music because it's what feeds my soul and just be creative and not have it be any kind of like well, hope this does some cool things for my career and i hope i can get on a bigger tour next year and you know it's not it's like um i mean i'm i know i'm aware enough to know that like you don't ever want to be letting that kind of shit influence your art but at the same time this is probably the first time i can honestly say that it's really not on my mind you know Congratulations on your book
1: Your sharp-tongued wit had me shook Thought about trying a little too long Give it up now, the good Lord's gone But we could put a record on We could dance on this shattered glass till dawn try to make it disappear all the cold we hold so dear i'm learning how to tell myself the truth forget all the shit i used to think i knew forgive me if i cannot give you
0: Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU in the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Brian LaCroix, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find Songwriters and Tour Writers wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and if you're listening on NPR One, give us a heart or a favorite. No Cover is a member of the KOSU Spy Podcast Network. Learn about all of our podcasts at KOSU.org. Financial support for this podcast and KOSU comes from the generous support of KOSU.org. It's just like you. If you would like to become a member of KOSU, just click the donate button. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa.
1: I'm learning how to tell myself the truth. Forget all the shit I used to think I knew. Forgive me if I cannot give you proof. I just won't. Tell me when you look into my eyes Do you still see a soul you recognize? These golden gods keep telling me they're lies